Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blumson. Today, in News in Focus, we're looking at India, where some of the world's biggest retail and technology companies have recently entered the market, encouraged by the rapid growth in the local telecoms network. Among these is Netflix, which recently launched one of its first original shows, Sacred Games, targeting Indian audiences. Jotsna Singh talks to Kieran Stacey about whether the video streaming service can repeat the success it's had in other parts of the world. With this video teaser, Netflix recently announced that Sacred Games will have a second season. So Kiran, tell us briefly about Sacred Games. Sacred Games is Netflix's first big Indian-made series. And the idea is, and I spoke to some of the executives and producers behind it, what they told me is that they wanted to make a Narcos for India. And to do that, they've taken the 2007 novel Sacred Games by Vikram Chandra, which was a huge hit, when it was released, and they've turned it into an eight-part thriller. They've spent millions of dollars on this, and they've hired some really big hitters. They've hired Hindi film stars such as Saif Ali Khan, Nawazuddin Siddiqui, Radhika Apte. These are big names, and they've paid them big salaries to make sure that they make a splash with their first ever proper Indian-made series. The series starts with a well-known gangster and a series of violent episodes which culminate in a policeman trying to track this gangster down to his fortified lair. It's quite a start, it's quite a dramatic opening, and it's a real statement of intent from Netflix. The show might have helped create the buzz, but is it likely to bring Netflix big rewards in terms of audience numbers and revenue? Reed Hastings, Netflix's chief executive, was in Delhi around a year ago, and he was very bullish on India. This is a country that's growing at well over 7% in terms of GDP. It's the fastest growing major economy in the world. It's also going through something of a online revolution. So there's a company called Geo, a very cheap telecoms company that's offering people free data or next to free data. And hundreds of millions of people have snapped up this offer. So they're able to access things like streaming service in a way that people simply weren't before. Where does Netflix fit into this? Well, Reed Hastings has very ambitious targets. He wants the next 100 million Netflix customers to come from India. However, they have positioned themselves right at the top of the market. So Sacred Games is an expensive piece of television. They've also commissioned several originally made feature-length films and some smaller series as well. But all of this is costing money, and they are charging the customer for that. They've got a business model worldwide, which means that it's all on subscription fees. They don't have any adverts. And that means they're really aiming at a very small slice of Indian society, and that is going to be their challenge. So Reed Hastings talks about 100 million subscribers. Current estimates by IHS Market, the market research company, suggest that Netflix only has 500,000, or at least by the end of 2017, had only 522,000 subscribers in India. It's got a long way to go if it wants to get to those lofty ambitions. So Netflix is big in emerging economies such as Brazil, but in India it's a late entrant. How competitive is the market and have they got their strategy right I think the thing that Netflix really needs to figure out is that Indian consumers are price sensitive like almost nowhere else on earth. 
and they really want the cheapest deal. It doesn't matter what you're buying in India, people are looking for the cheapest deal they can possibly find. So if you look at Netflix's competition, companies like Amazon, companies like Hotstar, which is the market leader, and that's actually owned by Rupert Murdoch's 21st Century Fox, they're much cheaper. They're about a quarter, a third of the price. Netflix is charging 800 rupees a month, which is around $10, which is pretty much what its Western subscribers pay. Amazon only charges 129 rupees a month to sign up to Prime, and Hotstar is around the same. Well, you could see that in the figures. So by the end of 2017, while Netflix had 522,000 subscribers, Amazon had 610,000 subscribers, and Hotstar had 1.6 million. So the problem that Netflix is going to find is that if it continues to sell its product for the high prices that it is currently charging, by its own nature, it's limiting its audience. India seems to be having a kind of a glut of foreign direct investment. Walmart, IKEA and several others have invested big here. It's a booming but a complex market. Tell us about that. India is going through something of a boom in terms of Western companies investing directly here. Part of the reason for that is the executives involved obviously think that the fundamentals of the Indian economy are very sound. It's growing at over 7%. It has a young workforce which is willing to work hard and for not very much money. It has a government that talks about economic liberalisation and is keen to encourage foreign investment. All of this looks very good. However, what these companies are finding is that it's very tough to sell in a very price-conscious market where the competition is very strong. What a lot of companies tend to do is discount their prices to try and grab market share before then asserting themselves as the dominant player in the market and starting to raise prices and thereby starting to raise their profit margins. But it's a very difficult game to play. You have to have a lot of money to do it. So we're seeing this in the telecoms company right now. We're seeing Mukesh Ambani, India's richest man, has launched a company called Geo essentially offering services for free. He's committed over $30 billion to build up this company. In the meantime, everybody in that market is losing money, pretty much. Geo reports a profit, but Vodafone wrote off 6 billion euros worth of value from its India business uh, around a year ago. This is a very difficult market to get into. And what I think a lot of these companies are going to find is that if they want to establish themselves in India, they have to be in it for the long haul willing to spend a lot of money, and they have to get the Indian consumer exactly right. The Indian consumer wants a cheap product, but one that looks quite swish. Some companies get it exactly right. Suzuki sells more cars in India than it sells in Japan. But if you look at General Motors, for example, they tried and tried and tried to make their cars sell in India, and they failed, and they've now stopped even trying. So let's see what happens in 10 years' time. I suspect some of these companies might still be here, but a lot of them will be gone. And the reason why Indians are price conscious is also to do with the fact that the Indian middle class isn't quite as well off as in the developed world, isn't it? Yeah, part of the problem for Western companies is they think of the Indian middle class in a similar way to the way they think of the middle class elsewhere. And it's just not really comparable. Let me give you some facts to illustrate that. There was a study last year the economists Sanjay Krishnan and Neeraj Hateka tried to define the new Indian middle class. And they said it was people spending between $2 and $10 a day, which is 600 million people. That's nearly half the Indian population. In terms of the amount of the population, that sounds about right. But if you look at those spending figures, they're really, really small compared to a Western middle class person. 
these are not what we would think of as affluent middle-class people. These are what most people would think of as poor people. But in India, they count as middle-class. So if those are the people you're pitching to, and if you're looking for 100 million new subscribers, they have to be, you really have to adjust your expectations. That was Jotsna Singh talking to Kieran Stacey. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, look out for our brand new news headline show called FT News Briefing which you can find on all the usual podcast platforms and at ft.com slash podcasts.